Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I discuss this week's Monday Night Raw and the continued fallout from the big NWA Crockett Cup event. President of the NWA and Smashing Pumpkins frontman Billy Corgan joins the show to discuss the success of the Crockett Cup and what's next for the rejuvenated National Wrestling Alliance. Plus, Monday Night Raw gives us another interesting episode of Bray Wyatt's Firefly Funhouse and Sami Zayn continues to call out the WWE Universe, but who will answer the call? Yesterday... We talked a lot about what we saw on Saturday, and that's the Crockett Cup. And here to continue the conversation of what was an amazing show, and that is president of the NWA, Billy Corgan, joins us. Billy, how are you today? Good morning, gentlemen. I'm fine. Thank you. Really appreciate the time, because as I just said, you gave us a lot to talk about leading up to Saturday, and obviously on our show yesterday, you have to be proud of what you saw on Saturday. Man, I was just so pleased. What a great show. Um, man, great crowd. Everybody worked hard. I, c- I couldn't have been happier. Billy, isn't it entirely too early for a rock star to be up? <laughs> I was up at 6.15, if you, if you really want to know. Um, but it is too early. Yeah, it kills, it kills the gimmick. You are obviously happy with what went on at the Crockett Cup. Is there something that stood out to you um, other than the main event? I think the main event is is the one match that we've been talking about. But what else about the night were you very happy with? Man, you know uh, when you when you see you know like uh, Brody and PCO go out there three times a night and just kill it. Um, the Briscoe is unbelievable. Um, man, just you know I, I'm a fan of tag team wrestling, and of course you know your your legend is. Uh, intricately tied with tag team wrestling. I'm not a big fan that in the past 20 years we've seen tag team wrestling not be as important as it is, as it should be. And um, I was just really pleased to see people who are students in that game really go out and, and win the crowd over. We had seven tag matches that night, plus a battle royale. And for people to be invested in the, in the, in the Crockett Cup main event um, and see those guys go out and kill it, I mean, it, it was, I was really, really pleased. That's, that's, that's the wrestling that I want to be part of and you know what i i can understand um because i think we're all tag team wrestling fans but i was a little nervous about how like you said keeping the attention of the fans that was not a problem on saturday going in were you a little nervous that you would be able to hold fans attention for that long when it came to these matches especially when there might have been a couple of teams that the fans were not familiar with yeah absolutely i think that was part of uh, the challenge with booking the card and, um, and, you know, in some cases, some of the talent we hadn't worked with before. Um, so is everybody, on, is, everybody, is everybody with you on, on what will make for a great show? 
Um, I, ever, I understand sometimes everyone wants to go out and kill it in every match, but um, the way to build an effective card over a three-and-a-half-hour show is, is, to, is to build momentum. And, um, you know, that's a challenge sometimes backstage. But everybody was totally on point, invested in the, in the day. And uh, uh, Ring of Honor Production, who was our partner in this, killed it. I mean, did a great job. Uh, it's just, I'm telling you, I, I just couldn't be happier. I mean, I'm just going to gush, and so maybe you should ask me some other questions because I'm just going to sound like a fanboy. But I'm, well, I'm just so I'm so happy because it wasn't just a successful event. It also presents why we think the NWA will matter going in the future, which is a question I get a lot in this really crowded uh, landscape with so much going on in professional wrestling. And it's exciting, of course, and it's great for fans. But you know, kind of how where do you guys plan on standing out? That's exactly how we plan on standing out. Well, I just want to follow up on that for a second because, first of all, I want to thank you as a longtime fan of the NWA to be able to watch that show and see the old-school graphics, to see that old-school NWA ring apron with the turnbuckles and and just the, the, the guardrail around the ring. I mean, it actually gave me goosebumps as I was watching that show from home so i can just imagine what it must have been like being there but you know first of all as as a fanboy myself to be able to, it felt like i was 11 years old again watching that show yeah i was talking to the crockett family um who were there um that night and um you know we were talking about the colors on the ring and when i first bought the nwa i did a real deep dive kind of looking at the graphics and the fields of course i saw it at the time but i kind of want now it's like wait a second now this is mine i have to really you know figure out what i want to do with this and I remember seeing those colors and think, I want to see those colors back in that ring. And so just walking in the arena and seeing those colors, it was like, wow, this is surreal. And then I'm standing there talking to the Crockett family, you know, and, and their intricate history with the NWA. Um, people get kind of thrown off sometimes with the nostalgia part. I, I think they take that with, it's, they almost take that as me wanting it to be a throwback promotion. They totally miss the point. I'm celebrating this great history um, my way. Um, and, and it's cool because no one's there to tell me no. Um, you know, when I was in TNA, I got told no a lot. Um, it's great to be able to say, I have this vision, work with my partner, Dave Lagana, and we execute that vision and to hear someone like you pleased with that. But where people get off on the wrong exit is they, they think that's what the NWA is going to be about. No, we're, we're pivoting absolutely towards the future, but the best way to do that is to embrace the great things about the NWA in the past and celebrate that 70 year history. About a year ago, Billy, you were on our show and you talked about um, wrestling companies working together, moving into the future. The NWA and the Ring of and Ring of Honor just came together to put on the Crockett Cup. What would you attribute the great working relationship you have with Ring of Honor right now? Um, Joe Coff's been an incredible partner. Joe Coff, of course, runs Ring of Honor. Um, you know, we pres when we first left TNA, David and I went up to uh, to Baltimore to present our vision. And even though they didn't necessarily agree with it at the time, I think when they saw what we were doing at the NWA, that conversation continued. And I think we had to build credibility with them that we were serious about what we were doing, that we were certainly invested in the product. Um, and, I, and I feel that way across the board. I mean, we presented uh, uh, Impact with similar plans, um, and obviously <laughs> they weren't that in interested, which is fine. Um, not everybody agrees with that vision. But I really think in this crowded marketplace that these alliances and these um, – Dream matches, chances to give fans something to talk about. You, you know, I used to say in TNA, you know, you got to win the you got to win the night on social media, um, and that's hard to do sometimes. And uh, you know, 
if you don't have a billion dollars to blow, you have to figure out a way to get fans invested in what you're doing. And yes, you can run a hot angle and stuff like that, but when you can put together dream cards, when you can bring together talents that wouldn't necessarily be together, um, I, 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 I think you know that's what fans will gravitate to, at least make them curious about it. And of course, when people start talking, that's the best thing in wrestling. You mentioned the future and taking this company, you know, and pivoting it towards the future. We spoke a lot about that last week, Billy, especially since we had Nick Aldis on and we had Marty Skrull on. And we had a lot of back and forth, not only Bully and I, but I think we generated a lot of interest within our fan base as well. Um, we, we gave the nation a homework assignment. We wanted our fans to watch that show on Saturday. And a big reason why is because we saw it played out on our show between champion and challenger. Nick Aldis really won me over last week. Now, I've been a fan of Nick Aldis. I think he's a great representative for the NWA. But listening what he had to say on our show and then hearing him at the end of that matchup. I mean, after that tough matchup, a 25-minute match that was amazing and told a great story the way as a true champion should the way he put over the nwa man you couldn't find a better representative than nick aldis right now and what's crazy was when i came into tna um, nick was still there at the time and nick had a lot of heat with the office and i had a i was in a sort of a strange uh position because here i am being part of the office and so of course nick's coming at me saying you know where do i stand in this company can you can you sort this out um and part of that was because for a long time i've been friends with nick's wife mickey so it was like a weird position to be in because i was a fan of nick's before i came into work for him and then i walk in this situation he's got heat with the office and it was like oh nick's this nick's that blah 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 nick 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 and nick ended up leaving so lo and behold, here I am a few years later, I'm working with Nick, he's our champion, and I mean, I'm looking at this guy going, how can the world not see this guy's value? This is crazy. Um, you know, Nick's got a burr under his saddle because WWE has, has, has overlooked him for years, and, and rightly so. And he's taken that and not turned it into a, into a negative, he's turned it into a positive. He's used the NWA stage to define himself in his own particular terms, which is what we've been able to offer him. Look, we can, we can help you define your journey your way. And I think as we enter this new you know, golden age of wrestling, a phrase um, you know, which uh, other people have been stealing from me, um, <laughs> as we enter this new golden age, I mean, that's one of our selling points to talent. We can help you tell your story your way. You know, this is a new type of relationship in the wrestling business. That um, that that uh, between how a person represents themselves in public, how they represent themselves to their own personal fan base, and how that translates into the wider world of wrestling, these are really you know, these are really unique times because that uh, up to this point that really hasn't been the case, and um, and so you, I mean you see it playing out in three in three D excuse the pun with uh, with with Nick right in front of us. I mean he is defining himself as a true champion on his own terms. And uh, and we're I mean we're thrilled. This is like this is our vision. This is what we want from from our talent. Billy, obviously Nick is your guy. He's the representation of the NWA. He's your world heavyweight champion. But going back just a few years ago, you were working with him in TNA, and you yourself said he had heat with the office. Was that heat justified, or was that just a perception that Nick had? I, personally, I didn't think it was justified at the time, and and I and I and I just don't get it. 
Um, I always say, and, and of course, you know, you know, when you deal with talent on a daily basis, you know, you're, you're still, you're still an active uh, participant in the ring. Active talent should want the best for themselves. And there's always that stress and strain of what about this? How come this didn't happen? But to, what I always say to my partner, David Lagana is look, every top talent should think like Nick does. And if you're not ready to deal with that, we're never going to get where we want to go because that's what I want from my top guys. Mm-hmm. They've got to want to be at the top of the mountain. And, and I think you see where Nick's putting it all together, his ability to, you know, it's like, and, and, and this is, I'm, I'm trying to say this the right way because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the historian Dave Meltzer is, but when I look at a Luthez and why Luthez represented the NWA for so long, I see that same representation in Nick. It's like, here's a guy who can work with anybody. Here's a guy who understands the game. Here's a guy who can walk into any arena in the world and make it happen. And that's really what defines a champion as far as the professional wrestling business goes. And, and, and if I'm you know, the 25-year-old version of Nick and I'm looking up at a, at a Sting or a, you know, a, a, a Bully Ray, I'm thinking I want that guy out of the way because I want to be standing there because I know that's the way I thought when I was 25 years old. So to me, the heat that Nick had with the office was not so much that they didn't think he had the upper gear. It's they didn't, they didn't like the way he thought he should get there. Um, and, and I, I, I just don't agree with that. You know, last week, a big discussion, especially after our interviews was I was rooting for Nick Aldis to win that match on Saturday because of the representation of the NWA. I don't know if Marty Skrull would have been a good representative of the company. Obviously, Marty Skrull is a huge superstar. You can make the case that he might be the hottest, most popular wrestler right now. But I don't know if he would have appreciated and respected not only that 10 pounds of gold, but the company and the heritage of the NWA. Nick Aldis does that. He really embraces it. Plus, at the same time, wants to take it further where it could possibly go in the future. Do you agree with that assessment? You know, um, when when I got into the deeper relationship with the Ring of Honor, and of course I'd watched you know the product through the years, and and you know when you when you walk in the halls of a company, you hear what people are really thinking and saying, and 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 over and over again, I kept hearing people talk about Marty, and I kept thinking like, okay, I get it, you know talented guy, good-looking guy, obviously has the X factor in the ring. But when people would talk about him as a number one guy, it was like, huh, I'm not really sure I get that. Watching Marty over the past six months, uh, particularly um, with Cody and the Bucks going to AEW, and maybe that gets a little bit more oxygen for Marty to shine, watching Marty step into the role as a, as a leader in the locker room, working with Marty behind the scenes, watching the build-up to the Crockett Cup main event, I'm totally sold on Marty now. I, 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 I'm not saying I didn't get it, but I didn't get it at the level that I needed to get it to, to answer your question, which is, no, that's, that's a top guy. It, it's hard to define, um, but certain guys have, a, have an X factor, and, and the fans are going to follow that journey till the end, and Marty is one of those guys. Myself and LaGreca talked about the possibility of Marty becoming the world heavyweight champion, and despite the fact that Nick is such a credible NWA World Heavyweight Champion, there's a lot of eyes on Marty. As the owner of the NWA, would you have liked to see Marty possibly win that championship and put new and different eyes on your product? 
I have no problem with Marty as champion. I, I mean, the way I look at it is when we book, when we book our main events with Nick, I always think it, I'm 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 good with e- how it, either way it goes because I've got to believe that because in, at the end of the day, what am I selling the fans, right? If if you don't believe that the that the that Nick's opponent can't hold that title and and hold it not not with pride that sounds sort of, but like hold it legitimately in a way that the fans will go okay that person deserves to be standing at the top of that mountain i don't think you should put them in that main event you look at two of the hottest wrestlers right now marty scurll being one that nick beat on saturday the other being cody that nick aldis beat at the 70th anniversary show for the nwa i mean that's a pretty big resume that Nick is building as far as defending this NWA championship. Do you feel that he's finally getting the recognition he deserves? Yes. And, and, and it's well-deserved. Um, and it couldn't come at a better time for us. I mean, as we start preparing to shoot episodic television in the fall, um, as we expanding our relationship with the ring of honor, um, as we're talking to other companies, because now they're starting to really see what we're doing is, is gaining traction. Um, yeah, I mean, the timing is perfect, and Nick understands that and, and, and wears that with pride. So it's, it's well-deserved, you know. Um, it, it's funny, and I, and I hate to always use music analogies uh, when, I, when I do my wrestling interviews, but in many ways it's the thing I understand best. I've stood next to a lot of pretenders to the throne, and I've watched people that got better reviews and more high-fives than I did and I, I mean, I watched, I've watched as the sands of time have, 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 have blown away, they've blown into the wind, too. You know, there's really room for only so many top people, like, you know, the top of the mountain. And Nick is climbing to that top, finally, where he belongs. I mean, there's a shot. There was a shot. I was standing backstage during the introduction. There's a shot when, when Nick holds up that title and he puts his arms out, and you look and you go, that's a world champion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry. That, that guy looks, looks like he belongs there. And there's something about a man's journey, and I would, of course, include women in this, when they reach that pinnacle, watching Becky Lynch at WrestleMania, um, you know, watching her, Charlotte, and uh, Ronda just you know, knock the bejesus out of each other in, in the main event at WrestleMania. I mean, there are, uh, there are only a few of those moments where you see a talent hitting that peak moment at the exact right moment, not only in their, in their own sort of journey as a performer, but within. And, uh, and Nick's right there right now. You just said that you don't like bringing music or rock and roll into the comparison when talking about wrestling. I know you do. No, but but we always do, and that's where we draw the best comparisons. Because as me and you have spoke before, the the business, the two businesses, rock and roll and wrestling, run extremely parallel to one another. So I want to ask you this: You brought up music about a year within the past year. I saw you perform in front of twenty thousand people at Madison Square Garden with the Smashing Pumpkins, and tear the house down. Just the other night, I watched you present the NWA and the Crockett Cup in a way that has everybody buzzing and wrestling fans talking. Which is more personally gratifying for you? Oh, that's an impossible question. Well, answer it. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I go to my children, you know. I, I honestly I can't answer that question because they they mean just as much to me in different ways. Um, I was talking with Jimmy Chamberlain, the drummer from the Smashing Pumpkins, yesterday. Jimmy works a lot in tech, and what's amazing about where we're at after 30 years of playing together is that we're really supportive of each other's um, 
let's call it our other jobs. Because I'm very supportive of Jimmy's efforts in tech, and he's incredibly supportive of my efforts in professional wrestling. So when I came in yesterday for work, because we're back in the studio, the first thing the guys want to hear about is, how'd your weekend go? That's incredibly amazing to me that my rock and roll life uh, is supportive of my wrestling life and, and vice versa. So, no, it's amazing. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I'm living two dreams at once. It's so cool. That is awesome. And, you know, again, just to go back to the Crockett Cup on Saturday, because I thought, it, again, it was a great balance of nostalgia and moving the company forward. And you saw some championships change hands and Cole Cabana now with that championship over Willie Mack. I mean, what's your thoughts on that matchup? What's your thoughts on Cole Cabana? Well, first of all, you know, that's the way I want to see that national championship defended. Um, guys who want to use that, that, that stepping stone to move up in the, in, in, literally into the national spotlight. And I, and I feel Colt's one of those guys who's grossly overlooked. Um, and I think even Colt's at this point in his 20-year career is starting to figure that out, that if he really wants to cement his legacy, he's going to have to prove it at this other level as a professional wrestler. And I thought in the promo build-up to his match with Willie, he said it. You know, sometimes people overlook me because of the way I like to work, you know, my, my, you know, my ability to be uh, comedic and stuff like that. But I, I've always believed that Colt's got this upside, so I'm really excited to see if this opportunity, um, if he'll seize this opportunity and kind of step forward as a professional wrestler. Because I've seen some Colt matches where I think this guy's just as good as anybody in the business. Billy, there's a lot of unrest in the wrestling business right is, now. Is there? Everything <laughs> seems so pe- calm and peaceful. <laughs> But the unrest seems to lie within the world of WWE with talents that have left or request their, requested their release. You are now in play. You are now in the picture. If the right talents are released, and I'm talking about higher-end talents, will you dip into your pocketbook and will you make a play for these guys? Well, I think that gets into, you know, we're into this new economy where, you know, Tony Khan, the owner of AEW is throwing around a lot of money. Um, I'm not sure that economy is going to hold. So I think you've got to be really careful to to chase um, great talent with with money that maybe puts you in a position as a company where you can't justify to the rest of your locker room while you're paying that money. I think w- one thing we've done with uh, the NWA is we've really picked our people. We've made sure that they're happy, but we haven't gone out and blown money just to blow money to sort of prove a point. I got a lot of pressure. Uh, really in the first year of owning the NWA, why I wasn't spending more money, as if somehow spending money was a sign of, uh, of uh, you know, fu- future uh, acumen or something. Um, I think you've seen that by, by being judicious about who we've worked with and how we've done it. We've been able to build the company for a lot less, and we still have all that money that I haven't blown. So, yeah, of course, uh, uh, if anybody was on the, uh, uh, on, on the open market, I would consider it. But I also think we're living in a bit of a false economy now, because as uh, Tony has gone around to build AEW, and I think he has 48 talents under contract now, that's a lot of money being thrown around that I'm not sure is going to last. If he builds that economy, then, of course, we'll all adjust to it. But I'm not, I'm not convinced that that's a, that's a real economy. Coming out of Saturday, everyone's kind of asking what's next for the NWA. You just mentioned the fall. What are your plans for this company in the fall? Um, well, we're looking at running another you know, key event, um, probably late summer, uh, early fall, we'll probably put something in between, like another kind of pop-up event um, uh, where we go work with another promotion, sort of, you know, not not try to run an A-level show, uh, but something that's still nonetheless noteworthy and entertaining. 
Um, we're expanding our relationship with Ring of Honor, which has been fantastic. I can't say enough good things about um, that relationship. And then we want to shoot, uh, start shooting episodic television, whether we put that on Honor Club or, or um, we put that um, on YouTube or something like that. So we want to be able to have a little bit more content both in the build-up and build-out on our, on our key events. Ideally, we'd be able to run four to six signature events a year, like at the level of Crockett Cup, and we just plan on building like that. Um, best way I could say it is like a Bellator UFC model where you have these signature events where everybody can put their eyes on you for that one night. And then the fans that come with you and build with you will, of course, follow everything. And I think that's a really uh, judicious and, and smart model in the, in the current landscape. Um, I've said in many meetings behind the scenes that I don't think uh, wrestling companies have to be 52 weeks a year like what has been the traditional model for a very long time. Those are very tough economics. That's basically what put TNA in the hole. Um, and, uh, I mean, we shake our heads sometimes when we think about the roster that uh, was on TNA, Bully included, and then you look at who's having success in the WWE, and it's pretty crazy. And it really, it was economics that sunk that company. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the roster. Billy, you're a wrestling fan. You've always been a wrestling fan. And other than the talents in your own company, what one wrestler, what character, what story is going on in wrestling today that captures your attention? You know, I'm pretty intrigued by PCO, I have to say. I mean, obviously, he's, he's one of our tag champions at the moment. But I think his story, his reinvention, um, is pretty fascinating. I mean, look, I'm, I think uh, Carl's 51 years old. I'm 52 years old. You know, we're seeing things in wrestling that we thought we'd never see. I mean, here's a guy uh, uh, in, in PCO with the, with the, the company you're, you, know, you work with, um, you know, that's, that's more known for, um, you, know, uh, you know, Dave Meltzer's six-star matches. And here's a guy, PCO, getting over with, you know, a traditionally younger fan base. I mean, that's pretty cool. It's encur- it encourages me that maybe I should <laughs> get, get my act together, you know? What are you going to do, start taking bumps? No, no, maybe I just, you know, <laughs> do sit-ups here and there. <laughs> well, Billy, I got to thank you not only for the time today, but also, you know, what you did on Saturday as an old-school NWA fan to see the Crockett Cup come back, to see what was a phenomenal show on Saturday, but also what you've done here for this show. I mean, Talking to to Marty Skrull last week, talking to your champion Nick Aldis, uh, I think it's been ben- beneficial on both ends, and and I would love to keep this relationship going because the product you have is absolutely phenomenal. Well, what's great about your fan base, Dave, is is you know they're smart, and I'm not talking like you know the way it's derisively used, the smart mark. I'm I'm talking you got an intelligent fan base that really loves the uh, the community of wrestling, and I think they can appreciate, and that's why we love working with busted open is they can appreciate the journey of the nwa you know we're not trying to be uh you know you know the number two company in the in the world overnight it's a long journey and i think smart fans really can appreciate that you know not everything can happen just because you wave your hand over it and um so we appreciate that the support of your community all right billy thank you so much for the time we we truly appreciate it thanks my friends talk soon the busted open podcast one of the few things that I know I enjoyed from Raw last night, and that was Sami Zayn. Now, I don't think it had the same impact as it did the week before and the week before that. And how I don't know how much longer you can have Sami Zayn come out and basically say the same thing that he's saying week in and week out without somebody coming to the fans' defense. Bully, 
you asked an amazing question before we went to break, and that is, who could be that guy? Who could be that wrestler that comes out and defends the fan? And honestly, Bully, I do not have an answer to your question. So before we go to the phones, I want to go to the old Twitter machine and get your opinion on some of the feedback we're getting from the nation. So sure. Ross Ross 45 chimes in and he goes, I see Ricochet being the one to be the voice of the fan. Um, he's a new guy who's worked his way up through the main roster, cares about the fans and the business. It's not a bad one. Ricochet versus Zane, some great matches. Yes. We can agree on that, right? Yes, it would be very <laughs> you exciting. You know, it always seems like the wrestling, in-ring wrestling, that's the easy part. We're never talking about the in-ring work because the in-ring work is pretty much 95% of the time really good. We're always talking about the characters and the storylines. Well, I, I, I agree. Like we talked about uh, AJ Styles and Seth Rollins. Once that match takes place at Money in the Bank, we're going to love it. And I'm sure we're going to talk about glowingly about what took place the Monday after Money in the Bank. But it's the story leading in that we always seem to have the problem with. Exactly. And Brett uh, chimes in. He goes, couldn't you see Bray coming to the defense of his fireflies? That's one way to get people invested in him. Hmm. I don't. Not, I, I, not bad. I, I don't see it. That would take a hell of a lot of selling and a hell of a lot of story to get me involved in that. But, but again, I don't know where they're going with Bray Wyatt. So, who knows? But could you imagine the entrance? You know, Vince loves his entrances. That's why Bobby Roode has his entrance. So, could you imagine all of the, you know, all of the the cell phones lit up again for the Firefly Funhouse? I, it would de- definitely be a hell of an entrance. There's no doubt about it. And, I mean, Bray and Sammy would have good matches, but th- the main thing is that, like I said, and now we're, now we'll go get to the phones, you have Sammy taking his frustration out on the fan. You're obviously not going to have a fan jump the guardrail to fight Sammy, so who's coming to the fan's defense, and what is their retort? Well, let's see if the nation has some answers. And Marty in Florida, who do you think could come out against Sammy Zayn? Well, I happened to be in the Sun Dome years and years ago when the Mountie ran his mouth one night and Taker came out and crushed him. Uh, I think you're overlooking the obvious. Um, I'm looking at Roman Reigns being the guy that can come out and just squash him and shut him up. Well, I mean, Roman Reigns right now is on SmackDown. So I don't, I don't think that's like, going to happen. So you know what, Marty? You just said to, it doesn't to, matter. Marty, though, to answer you back, back it's not that shows. obvious since he's not on the roster. But you just said they've been bouncing back and forth between shows. Who's, where's the roster? Show me the roster that says that Roman Reigns is concrete, never coming off of SmackDown. Oh, I mean, they don't have a character on Raw that can do it. I mean, that There's I agree no with. There's no character on Raw right now that can bust Sami Zayn as a baby face. Okay, so not, what, a, what about, one, so, what, yes, about the, what about the two examples that we just gave from fellow Nation members? How about Ricochet or Bray Wyatt? Bray Wyatt won't work in that. It would take too much to get there. Uh, I think Ricochet might. I, I don't, you know, Sami Zayn and Ricochet are going to put on one of those burn down the house matches uh, when they get in the ring and work together. I've seen them work together in NXT. I'm from Florida, and I've seen NXT since its infancy. Um so, yeah, it would be a great match. But I'm going to be real honest. I could care less about either one of those guys. They're, 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 B, they're solid Bs. They're not As. 
Uh, Wait a minute! Stop! 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 When you say their, what are you, are you talking about? Their in-ring work or their characters? Oh no, sir! Their in-ring work is superior, but I don't see anybody staying behind Zane or behind Ricochet for the long haul. Do you see either one of those guys being Bully Ray one day? I hope not. Well, you know what? They'd I have mean, to carve up. Bully, I'll, yeah, I will say that. And have to work on our calf Shut muscles. Shut up, Dave. They have to work on our calf muscles. Um, Marty, you know what? I, I disagree with you, Roman. And, and I think that's obvious because he's in a story right now, a big story on SmackDown involving Vince, Mc, Vince McMahon. And you wouldn't want Roman near this story because he would do just like you said. He would squash Sami Zayn and then the story would be over. Now, Marty, you said something that's very, very intriguing, and I think it touches on what Bully and I have been talking about all show long. And, Marty, thanks for the phone call. Is what is Ricochet's character? I mean, Ricochet is very good in the ring. He's putting on great matches week in and week out. But have they really developed a character with Ricochet? But this could be the perfect opportunity to do so. What better way to develop a character okay. than to come to the rescue of the wrestling fans? What better way to say for 15 years I spent my you know, time in the business wrestling in front of people like this, but so did Sami Zayn. There could be a tremendous back and forth because Zayn and Ricochet shared similar paths coming up through the business. Ricochet could step up, you know, speak up for the fan, and then Zane can always shut him down and go, I've been around longer than you. I know how this game works. They're just going to turn on you one day because they're a bunch of, you know, jerks or whatever he's going to say. My point is this. You can put any up-and-coming babyface into this role because the minute they stick up for the fans and the babyface says, no, Sammy, it's you who hate yourself. That's why you take it on to the take it out on the fans. Boom, instant babyface. Yeah, and you did a great job discussing it as far as describing that this would make him into the character that we have not seen yet. Because all we've seen is what he can do in the ring. We haven't seen enough of him to really get emotionally invested. This is more, again, more about what Jim Cornette said. This is more about the oohs and ahs than the yes and boos. I think that describes Ricochet. You're right. If he does defend the fan to Sami Zayn, now all of a sudden he's the babyface and also too bully. He's one of the few wrestlers that you can put in with Sami Zayn that actually the fans would get behind. Because I think that a lot of fans want to cheer Sami Zayn. Because you can't just erase everything that Sami Zayn has done prior to this angle right now. Ricochet's the perfect I, person. I, I don't know about that. You're a little out of line. Uh, a little, uh, uh, you're a little out of line. And I'm going to give you the example. Why you do. just said you said it's going to be hard to erase all of the good stuff that somebody did, right? That Sami Zayn did, right? Mm-hmm. Did Daniel Bryan erase the memory of the fan? He did. Sami Zayn can do it too. And who did I say a little bit earlier on has really got me right now with their heel work? Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn because they're putting good modern spins on their heel verbiage they're getting underneath people's skin in a unique way so i think zane i don't think people are going to remember the great matches that zane had with kevin owens or any of the other cool stuff he did because right now he's under the people's skin you could take anybody right now 
You could take EC3 right now and plug him in the role. All EC3 has to do is stick up for the fan against Sami Zayn. Boom, you'd make EC3. It's a great little spot to be in because the fan needs a hero. Right now, who's the voice of the wrestling fan against Sami Zayn? There is none. They need a voice. There isn't, but boy, as you're talking about Daniel Bryan and then Sami Zayn, it harkened back to a lesson that you gave us not too long ago when it comes to changing from a face to a heel. How do you become the biggest heel? By at one point being the biggest face. Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan right now, you would have to say, are the two biggest heels in the WWE. Sami Zayn on Raw and Daniel Bryan on SmackDown. Why? Because at one point, both those wrestlers were loved. And the great thing about it is they're getting a jo- the job done with their verbiage. We're not seeing like uh, Lars Sullivan heel where I'm just going to beat you up and throw you around. Okay, yeah, I get it. Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan are, are, have much more depth and dimension because they're, everything that Daniel Bryan has been talking about, he's telling the fans that they're bad people because they eat meat and they wear leather. People are, you know, they're booing him. Sami Zayn is telling people they're bad people because you send your kids in to do your dirty work at 4 a.m. at an airport and ask me for an autograph and I don't owe you anything and you're being douchebags on social media. People hate him. You're right. And it's working. And, and it's working. And not and Sami Zayn hasn't done an ounce of physicality yet, has he? No, he hasn't. Done a lot of flopping around, but he hasn't gotten physical yet. Now, it's weird because the the what Sami Zayn is saying like especially his promo last night great stuff didn't resonate with the Kentucky crowd because what Sami Zayn is saying is a little bit it's it's real internet wrestling community stuff right Dave yeah I would say the crowd that was at Raw last night probably buys in you know to the good versus evil yeah like that's a Memphis 101 crowd yes so what Sammy said last night, I, it, it worked, but it probably worked for people watching on TV or other social media platforms because in the arena, he got his spattering of booze, but man, he's cutting promos where people should be throwing shit at him. Well, let me ask you, Bully, because this is, this is a great question. It didn't really resonate to the crowd that was at Raw last night. Is it resonating to most of the people who are watching Monday Night Raw or just a certain portion of the fans that are watching Monday Night Raw? If you're an open-minded wrestling fan, I'm, you got to look at Sammy and go, wow, he's telling the truth. Because, Dave, isn't he telling the truth? Yeah. and A lot of what he's saying is definitely the truth. If not all of what he's saying. Yeah. He's, a, he's, telling the, he's a heel who's telling the truth and getting booed for it. Who's right, Sammy or the fan? Fascinating. Well, it also goes back to Daniel Bryan. Is what Daniel Bryan's saying not the truth? I mean, think about it. Daniel Bryan is trying to help not only the earth, but trying to help the people of the earth. And he's getting booed. Wow. Fascinating. Maybe Maybe the fans are wrong. Maybe the wrestlers are right. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app.
Firefly Funhouse. I mean, that was definitely one of the highlights of the show last night. And intriguing, it's interesting, and it makes you wonder what's going to happen next. It's very creepy. It's creepy and funny and interesting and entertaining. It's a little bit of everything, I think. I like it. I do, too. You know why I like it? Why? Because I have no idea where it's going. And since I have no idea where it's going, it makes me want to tune in. And I think people are intrigued by it. Is, is Bray Wyatt a baby face or a heel right now? We don't know. And I hate shades of gray. But right now, this, shades of gray, this shade of gray has me intrigued. Because any one of these episodes could take you one direction or the other. That's the beauty of it. That's what makes you want to tune in each week. First of all, it's entertaining. So right then you want to tune in. But what's going to happen next week? You're, they're dropping hints. They're, I, I shouldn't say hints. They're dropping pieces of the puzzle, but the puzzle pieces don't fit yet. But if you collect them all, at the end of the day, you're going to be able to piece something together. Where is it going? That's what's intriguing about what we're getting. And probably that you're really not seeing on the rest of the show. I have no idea where they're going. I have no idea when you're going to see him back in the ring, how this leads to him getting back in the ring, but I don't care because it's entertaining me. Did you see the picture he painted? Yes. It was somebody in a house and the house was on fire, burning down. Yes. Does that harken back to his Wyatt family roots? Yeah, it, it, I guess it would harken back to the matches that he had with Randy Orton. And, of course, like you said, the roots. Because don't forget, that house burnt down. Randy Orton burned it down. So now he's trying to find a home. His home right now is the Firefly Funhouse. That's his home. You know who I blame this thing on? You know who I blame this uh, this new Bray Wyatt character on? Who? Matt Hardy. If it wasn't for that damn lake of reincarnation. True. <laughs> It's true. All right, I just try to be funny. No, but it's true. <laughs> if you if you follow the story, bully, <laughs> you're gonna have to go back. You're gonna have to go back to that. But this is. I'm glad you mentioned that because this is kind of similar to what we saw with Broken Matt Hardy from TNA, like something where you didn't know where it was going at first. You didn't know if it was good or bad, but you had to watch it. That's what's going on with Firefly Funhouse. I'll tell you a funny story, Dave. I remember when I was back in the WWE in 2015 when Matt first started doing Broken Matt in TNA. And all the boys were at the airport at like, I don't know, 6 in the morning. And people were like goofing on it. Like, hey, man, did you see what Matt did? And everybody was showing each other their camera and the goofy promo. But the boys... Loved it. We were laughing at it and having a good time with it, but we were intrigued by it because Matt had the balls to go out there and do something different. And it obviously it caught fire and it worked. And then all you know, it got to WWE and they went in a different direction. But I think that's what we're getting with the Firefly Funhouse and Bray Wyatt. It's we're kind of laughing at it. We're goofing on it. We don't know what it is. It is a great job by you. It is extremely similar to what Matt Hardy first started doing with Broken Matt, and that went in a great direction. 
But that went in a great direction because it was in Matt's hands at all times. Now, the Bray Wyatt character originally worked in WWE. They did the right thing with Bray Wyatt in the beginning, right? They did. They got a lot of great mileage and a lot of great steam out of him. A couple of good years, correct? Uh, it started off really strong, but it began to fade over a course of time. Okay, would you say he got two good years out of it? Yes. So what's to say he can't get two good years out of this next character? And it's and it also is a tie-in to his original character. That's the the great part about it, is it's using the elements why we were intrigued by the Bray Wyatt character to begin with. Because there was this mystique of you didn't know what was happening or where it was going to go. And that's what you're getting here. Obviously, all the voices that you're hearing are Bray's voices. So are these the voices in his head? Is this a figment of his imagination? Is this actually taking place? It's intriguing. Now, I just hope they follow in this direction. With the original Bray Wyatt, it was kind of like that Max Katie Cape Fear type of character. And somehow they made it really, really wonky and supernatural. I hope they do right by this. Because at least the roots of it is fascinating to me. I thought the original version of Bray Wyatt and everything he did with the Wyatt family was awesome. It really was. I mean, they were booking him to go across the hour with, you know, the entrance. They, they really invested in him. And they know that they can, that Bray can get the job done with a real deep character. Bray cut phenomenal promos as Bray Wyatt with, with the Wyatt family. Really, really strong stuff. Dark stuff. You never knew where he was going. You weren't quite sure, but you were intrigued. Same thing that we're getting now. Creepy, funny, dark, scary. I'm not sure where he's going, but I'm intrigued. That's why I think the character is going to actually work. But once the character gets in the ring, he needs the right guy for the character to bounce off of. True. That's going to be the hard part. So <laughs> look at how the conversations have now reversed. Ricochet, all in-ring action, not enough personality. Bray Wyatt, all personality right now. Who's going to be the right guy for him in-ring action? And it's funny, when we talk about Sami Zayn, and I think it's because it's in front of an audience and he's cutting these promos in the ring, we need somebody to get in that ring with Sami Zayn. When it comes to Bray Wyatt, if you told me that these... Firefly Funhouse was going to go on for another six weeks, seven weeks. I would have no problem with it. I'm not even looking at who's going to be in the ring with him. I'm just, I'm loving what I'm getting. I don't want this to stop right now. Thanks for listening. Catch us weekdays on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.